ESPN Radio. continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. And the Heels kick their rivals to the curb on their way to their 12th national title game. And in the process, end the career of the Hall of Fame coach Mike Krzyzewski. North Carolina wins, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so petty. Bye, Coach K. You've had a fantastic career. You are a freaking goat, and now you can go. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. It's your boy, Chris Candy, and I'm rocking with my main girl, Amber Wilson, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at AmberW790, at ChrisCandy99, and tap in on the Candy call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And the question is simple. We want to hear from you guys on who you got tonight in the national championship game? The Kansas Jayhawks or the Carolina Tar Heels? Again, who you got? 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776 on the Canty call in line. And Amber, the final four, we knew it was a bunch of blue blood programs, and now we got the matchup set for the national championship. But before we look forward to tonight's game, we got to look back on how we got here. And in Saturday's marquee matchups, the Kansas-Villanova game seemed like a little bit of a, a sleeper with Kansas doubling up on Villanova early on in that game. I want to say the score was 38-19 to in the first half. That game never really felt like it was in doubt. But when you saw that Carolina-Duke game to cap things off at, 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 at the, in the primetime slot, like that was the game that everybody was excited about. That was the game that our very own Jay Williams from ESPN Radio flew down to actually take a look at and, and to be a part of because we know how proud he is of his Duke Blue Devils. And the fact is that the Carolina Tar Heels under Coach Hubert Davis in his first season played spoiler to Coach K's final season and them making a run to the Final Four. That Villanova-Kansas game was a sleeper in terms of how it went. It was also, frankly, a sleeper, Chris, in terms of did anybody even know it was happening? Because everybody <laughs> was so focused on Duke-UNC. I almost don't even know if it would have mattered if that game had actually been more competitive than it actually was. But Kansas was just too talented and too deep for Villanova. Villanova was shorthanded, and it showed in that game. UNC-Duke. Talk about a game that was overhyped but somehow lived up to all of the hype. I mean, when does that happen, Chris? Not only was it the storyline, not only was it the rivalry, not only was it the Final Four making a presentation for the first time with that rivalry, not only was it the end uh, of Coach K's career, but it was also such a heck of a game, such an unbelievably competitive game coming down to the final seconds. As Hoops fans, you could not have asked for anything more than what you got in that game. No, it lived up to the hype, like you said, Amber. It was back and forth, guys making shots, guys making big-time plays, whether it was Paulo Bancaro or Trevor Keels. And then for Carolina, it was Caleb Love, right? It was the Caleb Love show in the second half with so much focus on R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. I mean, RJ, uh, I mean, C Caleb Love was really the guy that was the playmaker. And then you had Brady Manick making some big-time shots behind the arc to keep Carolina in this thing the whole time. And they just hung around. Every time Duke tried to mount a little bit of a lead, tried to go on a little bit of a run, 
you'd have some playmaking from the Carolina Tar Heels. And, of course, they funneled their offense through Caleb Love. Well, our very own Seth Greenberg, ESPN college basketball analyst, had a lot to say about the Carolina Tar Heels after an emotional win over the Duke Blue Devils. Would they be ready to go in tonight's game against the Kansas Jayhawks? Take a listen. He's been an incredible leader. I think what they did is after they won that game, they went back, had their team meal, and he told those guys, I'm proud of you. Hey, you need to enjoy it. You need to appreciate this. And then you know what he did? He said, all right, visit with your family, go upstairs, turn off your phones, put them away. When you come back down here for breakfast, all right, all of a sudden we're moving forward on because we didn't, you know, come here to win the semifinal game. We came here to win the national championship. This game's going to come down to a couple things. Obviously, establish Armando Baycott. Is his ankle going to be good? But there's also another thing, Grady. What does love have to do with it? Love has to do everything with it. He had 26 in the second half against Duke. He had 27 in the second half uh, against UCLA. So Caleb Love's going to have a little bit to do with this. This will be a great championship game, but uh, I think he'll have, he will have his team ready to play. This isn't about players. This is about programs, two elite programs. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And, Amber, I think Seth Greenberg hit the nail on the head. It's about Caleb Love and how – Carolina and Hubert Davis get him the ball in his spots to be able to impact that offense because when you look at what the Kansas Jayhawks are bringing to the table, it just feels like they have more firepower on the offensive side of the court than the Carolina Tar Heels do. So if they're going to plan on trying to match points with the Jayhawks, Caleb Love is going to have to play a huge role in doing that. Yeah, for Kansas, it's going to be a baji, right, that this game comes down to. But for UNC, I agree with you. I think it is going to be Caleb Love. And what a 30 days it has been for Caleb Love. We are talking about a player who didn't make first team all ACC. He didn't make second team all ACC. He didn't make third team all ACC. He made honorable mention Mm. all ACC. And he has been the breakout star of this tournament. If it weren't for him, Coach K's career would not be over. It would not be over yet. It would be ending after tonight, but it wouldn't be over yet. Kayla Love has been that important to this UNC team, and so the success of them is very dependent on what kind of game he has. He's going to have, a, have to have a huge one against a very deep, very talented Kansas team. No doubt about it, and another key for this game is going to have to be rebounding. That's something that the Carolina Tar Heels did well against the Duke Blue Devils. I imagine that they're going to have a much tougher time with that with David McCormack, the big man from the Jayhawks, being in the middle of everything. And so Armando Baycott is going to have to show up in a big way. We saw on his way to his postgame press conference, Coach K in the hallway stopped Armando Baycott and said he was his ACC player of the year. That's how impactful that individual player is going to be for the Carolina Tar Heels in tonight's matchup. If Baycott is compromised with that, that ankle injury in any way, then it's going to be tough sledding inside for the Tar Heels trying to compete against the Jayhawks. So that's going to be one of those keys that we have to watch for. The game within the game, how Armando Baycott does in the painted area between that matchup with David McCormick. If he can get the edge on that one, then then I could see a path to Carolina being able to pull up the upset. But again, Amber, I stand by this. I have a hard time envisioning that Carolina is going to be able to win it all. But we do have a famous Carolina Tar Heel alum in Jerry Stackhouse, who's now the head coach of Vanderbilt basketball, who actually disagrees with me. He was on with KJM this morning. Take a listen to what he had to say. My son went to USC. He's 25, and I, I saw on his Instagram post, he doesn't even care about the game tonight. The only thing he cared about was beating Duke because, again, he's still there. And for those people that's in that area, 
It's more about the bragging rights. You have to be good to go up two on them, but we're already up one on them. So, you know, we we feel safer. They still got to get another one just to tie us. Ooh, so I think boy, talk we, that. we, we, we talk definitely want to get the separation. We, we want to get the separation, but, man, to, to, to take care of business at Cameron, to come to the Final Four on the biggest stage and, you know, send K off the way that he did to beat Duke, for a lot of folks, that's already the national champion. It's just going to be a cherry on the top to, to, to get Kansas tonight. Yeah, I don't know about that one, Amber. I, I, I guess we have to take him at his word because he did play in this rivalry. But something to me says that the Carolina Tar Heels fans care about winning another national championship. I mean, it's nice to be able to knock out Coach K in his final season out of the Final Four in the first ever matchup between the two programs in the NCAA tournament. But you didn't come this far just to come this far, right? You want to be able to to hold up the trophy and say you won the national championship. And so I, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off, but I got to believe the folks on Franklin Street, this actually matters to them in a big way. It's not just about being able to get on this stage and beating Duke in the on your path to here, but it's actually about trying to cut down the nets in New Orleans. It always matters, national championships, but I actually agree with Stackhouse there that oh, if you were okay. to give UNC fans the choice, and obviously you couldn't do one here without the other, the way that things shaped up, but if you could, if you were to give them the choice, beat Duke in the Final Four or win a national championship, I do think that most fans would choose beat Duke in the Final Four as the more important priority also, when you're talking about a head coach in his first year, because I would imagine if you're a Tar Heels fan right now, you feel pretty darn good that this ain't going to be the last time that you're in a national championship game in the next five years. But this is going to be your one and only opportunity to end Coach K's career. And they did just that. Everything else is just going to be icing on the cake. A national championship is nice and all, but they already won their national championship. They did it over the weekend. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. So, for UNC, was beating Duke in the Final Four bigger than winning it all? Uh, well, Amber and I will have somebody that will weigh in on that in a second. But first, we got a word from Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From the upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. The madness continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. Three, top of the key. Oh, we got it! Caleb Love! Gives North Carolina the four-point lead, and the Heels kick their rivals to the curb on their way to their 12th national title game. And in the process, in the career of the Hall of Fame coach Mike Krzyzewski. This is ESPN Radio. Chris Candy, Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio, and you got the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Amber Wilson and I gave you that straight no chaser, but now it's time to bring on somebody that's got the word on the street, UNC beat writer C.L. Brown for the News and Observer. And C.L., we appreciate a few moments of your time, and we got to get straight to it. After the game on Saturday with the Carolina Tar Heels beating Coach K, knocking him out and ruining his final season and his bid in the Final Four to win another national championship. Are Carolina Tar Heel fans satisfied with just knocking out Coach K, 
or does this team actually have to finish the drill and beat the Jayhawks tonight to win a national championship in order for fans to feel good about the program? Oh, I think they feel good. <laughs> I think they feel pretty good after Saturday night. But it, but it also would be at this point, it would be disappointing if they if they didn't win it all. Like you know, you put yourself in a position to be in the championship game. You want the championship. So I, I, I always felt like beating Duke was just kind of like the cherry on top. But you know, they they still want the rest of that cake. Man, Seattle, I called uh, the national championship the ter- cherry on top because I felt like the whole cake, frankly, was ending Coach K's career. But it's funny, when I think about this from the Hubert Davis side of things, he's obviously had such an incredible first year. If you're Davis, obviously you won a championship, but at the same time you're setting the bar so high, CL, in the first year out of the gate. Uh, <laughs> where will the expectation be then for the UNC fan as he moves forward in his career if he knocks it out of the park now? I, I kind of think like he set the he's setting the expectation higher for John Shire at Duke. I mean, he's coming in next year with with a great class. Uh, I, I don't think it, it it's realistic, obviously, for Carolina people to to expect this every year from Hubert. But what it did was early on in the season, there there was you know, I mean, it wasn't a ton, it wasn't a very big, loud crowd in as far as Carolina goes, but there were people that questioned if Hubert was the right guy, was the right hire. And so, you know, the, the run that they've been on squashed all doubt about that. So he, he's, you know, he's good in terms of, of that probably for the next 10 years, just by, just by getting to this championship game. And especially if they end up winning it. But I mean, it's, it's like Mike Tomlin said, the standard is the standard at Carolina. So um, I, I don't think he'd be increasing uh, he he's elevating it at, by any stretch by by getting to this game this year. Talking with News and Observer, Tar Heels beat writer and the best dressed man at the Final Four, C.L. Brown on ESPN <laughs> Radio. And C.L., Appreciate I got to ask you after after such an emotional win on Saturday night over their rival on Tobacco Road, the Duke Blue Devils. How does Hubert Davis get this team to refocus and to be there? from an energy standpoint in tonight's matchup against the Kansas Jayhawks? Yeah, it, it's it's going to be critical because, you know, he doesn't use the bench a ton. It, it, they get minutes here and there. If, if Armando Baycott doesn't foul out on Saturday, the starters would have played, you know, the entire second half for, for Carolina. So um, he, he's always – he's been pretty good this year in terms of getting them focused in and, and getting them past the last win whatever whatever win that would be um i think the the perfect example was after they beat duke and cameron indoor stadium in the in the regular season finale uh their next game out was in the acc tournament against virginia and they jumped on virginia from the start like they left you ain't had to wire bring that up cl cl you ain't have to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was never close but Hubert Hubert likes quoting a, a Bible verse. I think it was Proverbs four twenty five. Um, th- that roughly is is ignore all sides, show distractions. Like just in terms of staying focused, and that's that's been their thought of the day in practice uh, a number of times. And I, I'm sure he probably brought that up yesterday when they practiced. Um, well, probably even after the game Saturday night. You know. Um, just just to get them refocused and, and thinking about this championship. 
The News and Observer UNC beat writer C.L. Brown on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about Caleb Love for a second because what a remarkable last month it has been for Caleb Love. How important is he to tonight? Is it critical that he has another just out unworldly game to get past Kansas? I, I don't think it's critical. I mean, obviously they want him to play well, but that's been the thing with this team is there are a number of different – they have a number of different ways to hurt you. I mean, if you look back to the to the Baylor game um, in the second round, R.J. Davis goes for 30. Caleb didn't really have a good game, and, and he ended up fouling out that game. I think he had six turnovers as well. Like, it, it, was, it was a terrible game for him. But he's also – he does this from shot to shot. Like he can just forget about whatever bad or or whatever, you know, uh, foul play that he just made and come back and do something great right after it. And, and we saw it in the UCLA game in the sweet 16. He was like one for eight, had three points in the first half, comes back, changes shoes. Of course he had, he had on the black Jordan 11s in the first half changes to the Carolina blue on blue Jordan 11s goes for 27 in the second half and carries them um, in in that game to the on to the elite eight. So uh, I, I I'd say Brady Manic if he has a hot shooting game like they can afford to have one person who's not you know at the at the top of his game because they have so many different ways um, uh, to score and so many different ways to hurt a team. Speaking of players being at the top of their game, CL, we got to get an update on Armando Baycott's leg injury. What's the latest on that front, and how is he going to be health-wise tonight matching up against David McCormack? Yeah, he he practiced yesterday. Of course, it wasn't a very intense practice since they were, you know, just a one-day turnaround before the game. Um, But he's been getting treatment the entire time, wearing compression sleeve, getting the stimulation, everything like that. So they were were, uh, feeling – pretty good about it because the x-rays came back negative and there's no structural damage uh what i what i feel like is going to be key for him is to not have any any instant where he just tweaks it in the game because then you'd be almost back to square run in the middle of the game and and who knows how that would end up affecting the outcome but i, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty big battle between armando and uh david mccormack for for kansas so that that's that's one of the matchups I'm looking forward to in this game. Certainly one to watch in this one. CL, we appreciate a few moments of your time. I want you to enjoy the game, but not too much because you know I'm a Virginia Cavalier and you know I can't root for <laughs> my ACC rivals. So I'll, I'll be rooting for a good game and hopefully the Jayhawks cutting down the nets in New Orleans. But CL, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Thanks for popping on. All right. Appreciate y'all having me. All right, that is C.L. Brown, the News and Observer, Tar Heels beat writer. And right now, we're going to go out to the candy call-in line and bring on Ben in Utah. Ben, tonight's game, UNC-Kansas, who you got? I'm going to go UNC, and let me tell you why. They beat the the number four team in the country, uh, uh, Baylor, in the tournament. They, They weren't even ranked in the top 25 to begin the tournament, and they have just gone on a tear and I truly believe that they will win it this year. Brad, we appreciate the phone call. And listen, they're one of the hottest teams in coming into the tournament. I mean, you're talking about this team winning 11 of their last 12 games, and I think they're lost coming into ACC tournament. So this is a team that's dangerous, Amber, and sometimes it's not about the most talent. It's about being able to play your best ball at the right time. But coming up next, speaking of playing your best ball, 
South Carolina Lady Gamecocks playing their best ball last night in besting the UConn Huskies under Gino Ariema. Could Don Staley now become the face of college basketball? Amber and I will weigh in on this. You're listening to ESPN Radio on ESPN Plus as well. ESPN Radio. South Carolina bench begins to erupt. A wire-to-wire victory tonight. It is not unfinished business any longer. South Carolina has captured its second national championship. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, of course, this question inspired by C.L. Brown and our very own Amber Wilson. And I guess Jerry Stackhouse, in a manner of speaking. As a sports fan, what feels better, winning a championship or preventing your rival from winning one? This, of course, because UNC bounced Duke in Coach K's final season from the Final Four. So we want to hear from you on the candy call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. As a sports fan, what feels better? But, Amber, it's hard to imagine that there's anybody in college basketball that's feeling better right now than one Don Staley, head coach of South Carolina women's basketball program. After getting bounced by Stanford in the Final Four last season, they bounced back this year by beating Gino Ariema and the UConn Huskies, led by Paige Beckers in the national championship game. And you saw the tears of joy from Aaliyah Boston after last night's game, just being able to celebrate after she had a lot of uh, tears in a lot different way, an emotional uh, outburst in a different way following last year's Final Four. And then, of course, we also saw Don Staley on the sidelines in that Louis Vuitton jacket. But overall, South Carolina just winning. It's their second national championship in the last five NCAA tournaments. And it feels like this program is starting to become a dynastic program under Coach Staley. Absolutely. I mean, we're already there. I don't even know if it's starting to become, at this point, we're already there. And she's such a force in college basketball. You know, we have the conversations, Chris, about who's going to be the next face of college basketball now that Coach Gay is gone. And to me, it's still Gino before it's Don Staley, but that's not a knock on anything that Don Staley has done. Because I wonder with Don what the future holds for her. She's only 51 years old. She's much, much younger than somebody like, you know, Ariama. And for her, I could see transitioning even past South Carolina because what she's done there is so unbelievable in building that program. And she's already accomplished everything that she even needs to accomplish. I mean, anything else from here on out is just icing on the cake, right? I mean, more rings, I have no doubt she can do it. More of the top recruiting classes like she's had the last couple of years, I have no doubt she can do it. More opportunities to navigate that talent, I have no doubt she can do it. But I just wonder if there's more for her in the future if she is a coach that we're going to see as the head coach of an NBA team for example in the future I could actually see that very much with Don Staley I think she's got the personality she's got the unbelievable resume as a player of course herself with everything she accomplished in her own career there Mm -hmm. and then everything she's also accomplished as a coach not just in South Carolina but when we're talking about the Olympic team as well so she is just an incredible force the way she manages to relate to her players to the way she's navigated this season with it seems easy when you're talking about hey she's had the top recruiting class and so she has the talent but navigating that talent you saw 
it not be utilized properly, I suppose you could say, at the end of last season, the way that season ended was disappointing for them to be able to rebound this season. Every single player on her roster is an impactful player, but for her to get them to each understand their individual roles and the greater sacrifice they're all making so that they can work together in the way that they did, and it was just with ease through this tournament, I'm so unbelievably impressed by the job she's done. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you talk about players buying into their roles. Aaliyah Boston was big last night, as she is every night, but it looked a lot different than it typically would. It's not a 20-10 and 10 night for her. It was just an 11-11 and 11 night for her. But what she did defensively tells more of the story in terms of her overall impact. And then Destiny Henderson, their point guard, that just kept making play after play, she picked the perfect time to have a career high in points. And so – to have that kind of finish and to have a team that's able to adapt the way that we've seen South Carolina adapt throughout the course of this season, I think that speaks volumes to the coaching job that Don Staley has done. And, Amber, you mentioned it, her ability to recruit. I didn't realize this until after last night's game. Aaliyah Boston grew up less than an hour from UConn. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that was a player that was in Gino Ariema's backyard and Don Staley somehow, some way, convinces her to come to Columbia, South Carolina to play ball at her program, that's damn impressive considering the success that Gino has had at UConn. So, uh, again, when you start talking about projecting what Don Staley is going to be, certainly if she stays at the collegiate ranks and she stays at South Carolina, this is going to be a dynasty. This is going to be an iconic program. But then beyond that, I think she does become one of the faces of college basketball, whether we're talking about women's or men's basketball. But you're right. I think the way that she relates to her athletes opens the door to so many other possibilities for Don Staley. And I could absolutely see a world where we're talking about Don Staley being the head coach of an NBA team if that's something that she would be interested in. But let's hear from ESPN women's college basketball analyst Andrea Carter on what South Carolina is starting to turn into. Take a listen. It's honestly really special. You know, I remember one of my best friends telling me in high school that she was going to South Carolina and I'm going to Tennessee, a program obviously with a ton of history. And it was Tiffany Mitchell. And I was like, you know, you're going to South Carolina. And, and now I'm like, Oh yeah, you're going to South Carolina to be with Don Staley and and start the foundation of now. What is what I think the beginning of a dynasty. Um, It's incredible. You know, you could take, a program that hadn't been to a final four and you completely turn it around and for her to do it with top recruiting classes that are willing to spend time on the bench. None of those players played more than 15 minutes, but they trusted the process. They're all national champions. They'll all get more playing time next year. Like when you think about building a dynasty, this is how you do it. And Amber, all I could think about is the swag that Don Staley has. I mean, cutting down the nets, putting mm-hmm. the net over over her shoulders, wearing it as a necklace, sticking her tongue out, and 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 Millie whopping. Like I like all of those things matter in terms of being able to make your program attractive, and then also being able to relate to your players in order to get the most out of them. And so when we start projecting what South Carolina could be, I, I think we have to consider them as. You know, one of those powerhouse teams, and, and honestly, going into next season, the team to beat in women's college basketball. Oh, absolutely. They are the team to beat. And when you were talking about 
just her relationship with players. It's not also that she's always easy on them. She can be a tough cookie. I mean, I know that Boston had talked about the turning point for her this season was after a game. I believe it was a win over Buffalo, but after a game, Coach Staley had pulled her aside and told her, hey, you're not being dominant. You're not being the Aaliyah Boston that we know you can be and that we're expecting you to be. And she said that's really where she flipped a switch and she became much more dominant in the paint. You were talking about her impact in that game in that national championship and it wasn't necessarily just the gaudy scores that we're used to her putting up on the offensive side of the board and that's Mm -hmm. Staley getting the most out of the best player in the country you know where hey even though you're the best player in the country and everybody knows it there's still more to be had there's still more coming from you you are not living up to the expectation I have for you and She's just one of those coaches that I think demands the best and gets the best and knows how to reach these players. I just think it could be transcended. I mean, absolutely. If she wants to stay at South Carolina forever, then she will be a force to be reckoned with, and that will be a dynasty for a very, very, very long time. I just wonder if there's something else in the future, whether it's the WNBA or the NBA, I could see her making a transition because she is so young. She does have such a remarkable resume and such a remarkable connection with all of the players. I I just feel like it could be transcendent uh, and that Don Staley may have a lot of work left to do in a lot of different arenas. Yeah, you're right about that, and and there's a lot of possibilities on and, the and horizon. And real quick, for by her. the way, Chris, I love right. that we're talking about two because I had mentioned Gino. Like Gino to me is like that face right now because he's been doing it obviously a lot longer than Don. You're talking 11 national championships right now. I can't think about UConn without thinking about Gino Ariama. And I just feel like when we're talking about though the faces of college basketball, it is so great that we're talking about two women's hoops coaches because I'm talking about college basketball generally those two to me resonate as the faces of college basketball men's or women's hoops but it's extra cool that they're on the women's side no doubt about it and what makes it even more cool for Don Staley is she picks up a $500,000 bonus after winning the national championship game last night against the UConn Huskies so we'll definitely have more on that but coming up next with Ben Simmons being ruled out for the rest of the regular season and the play-in tournament can the Nets still put it all together with a win in the East. We'll have the answer for you. Also, Bobby, we see you on the Candy Calling Line. We're going to get to you on the other side of the break. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Candy, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. And Amber, we have some news on one of the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, and it's coming out of the tri-state area. The Brooklyn Nets swingman Ben Simmons will not be making his season debut in the regular season as he continues to deal with a herniated disc in his back. And the Nets coach Steve Nash said after Monday's practice that while he remains hopeful that Simmons will return at some point in the playoffs, he would be shocked if Simmons played in the Nets play-in next week. Now, I got to ask you this question. Does this move the needle for you any when it comes to the Nets' prospects of competing for a championship? No, because I didn't think that Ben Simmons was going to be available to them anyways. I think it's funny, though, that we're calling them a favorite in the East still when they're sitting right now at 10th in the East Tide uh, with the Hornets who are sitting at 9th at 40 and 38 on the season. But, I mean, we were talking about a team that is going to have at least a play-in game, likely a couple play-in games, and we're calling them the favorite to win the East. I mean, that's just the way that the attention has gone because of the people on that team. The reality is – 
that that team probably doesn't have enough without Ben Simmons, but also I didn't think Ben Simmons was going to be available to them. They could absolutely use his defensive ability, assuming that it's still there because, Chris, we haven't seen him play basketball in a really long time. But the one thing that we knew was always there for Ben Simmons was that he was elite defensively, even if he couldn't figure out that shot all the time. And that's really where they need him in Brooklyn. But I'm not surprised at all when we're talking about a ruptured disc that we're not going to see him for the play-in. And frankly, no sources, no information whatsoever. Chris Canty, I am here to tell you we're not going to see him in the playoffs period, right? I mean, it feels like a wrap this season on Ben Simmons. So I think when we talk about the Brooklyn Nets, we have to move forward and pass the Ben Simmons conversation and act like he's not even part of this team because frankly, he isn't. Yeah, I guess that's how you have to operate, right? And that's probably going to be a sore spot for the Brooklyn Nets because we know how much they've struggled on the defensive side of the court this season. I want to say they ranked 22nd in defensive efficiency. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Durant spoke to that a little bit after their loss against the Atlanta Hawks this weekend where he said it wasn't about being able to play solid defense and take away shooting opportunities for him because I want to say the Hawks shot in the low 40% from the field. It was about them fouling and putting the Hawks in the bonus and then the Hawks taking advantage of free throw opportunities. So, And that's a product of we know the Brooklyn Nets not moving their feet, not being tied together on the defensive end. That's something that they're going to have to fix if they're going to contend for a championship. I don't care how great KD and Kyrie are on the offensive side of the court. If you're going to win a championship, at some point you got to be able to stop somebody. And the Brooklyn Nets haven't shown the ability to consistently do that. Now, that being said, they are going to be in a play-in tournament. They're, what, five games clear of the New York Knicks who are in the five spot. So they'll be in the play-in. It's just a matter of how tough the road will be for them to be able to compete for a championship in the East. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get to the Tiger that's on the prowl in Augusta in a second. But right now, we got to go out to the Candy call-in line because we threw the question out there and we wanted to hear from you guys as to what your answer was. As a sports fan, what feels better, winning a championship or keeping your rival from winning one? This, of course, inspired by what Carolina did to the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday in spoiling Coach K's final season and the Blue Devils' run to the Final Four. So for that, we're going to go out to the call-in line and bring on Bobby in North Carolina. Bobby, you're on with Chris and Amber. What up? How you doing, guys? Hey, look, listen, I know there's a game tonight, and I hope we win, but guess what? I could get two dead flies. Period. <laughs> I don't care. And the thing is, nobody's going to remember this game if Kansas wins. They won't. The only way that anybody's going to remember this game is if NC wins, and it, and it still will be a footnote to the story of what we did to Duke. Uh, as a dialed in the World Carolina fan, that was my national championship last uh, Saturday night. I'll take a state championship over a national championship any day in this case, man. Um, coach K is a great coach, one of the best. He is college basketball, and that's a lot coming from a uh, North Carolina fan. But, man, I'm glad we sent him out with an L. Well, Bobby, Bobby, you got to help me understand this, right? Because the standard is the standard at Carolina, right? You've got six national championships. Isn't it about being able to add more trophies to the trophy case? It's not just about beating Duke, right? No, 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 bro, 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 you don't understand. This is the ultimate trophy. Oh, okay. This is the ultimate trophy. Ask any Carolina fan, any real Carolina fan, alum, alum whatever, this is the ultimate trophy. Sending Coach K out twice. Final regular season, final um, postseason. Send him to the house with L's. Love him to death, but he got to go. And guess what? We sent him on his way with an L. 
Wow, Tar Heel fans serving Coach K hot, fresh L's, Amber Wilson. Listen, Amber, you had this one right from the jump, even when we talked about it in our production meeting. You said the game on Saturday was more important to Carolina and probably their fans than the game tonight and playing for the national championship. I didn't want to believe that. But based on what we're hearing from the Carolina fans that are chiming in, that's absolutely the case. Because normally in any other season, you're absolutely right. Beating Duke is great. It's cool. It's your rival. But you'd rather be winning a national championship, and that would be where your focus is. Yeah, but this isn't just beating Duke. Duke. Though, right, Amber? Like, that's the point, right? Duke is always competing for a championship under Coach K, so you want to beat them on your way to a championship. Well, yeah, that's I- because this isn't just beating Duke. This is ending Coach K's career beating Duke. That's uh, the key. That's that's what's it. different about it this season. It'll never happen again. This is a once in a lifetime. This was it. That was their one shot in an entire lifetime. They'll have other shots, presumably, to win national championships. And heck, they might win one tonight against Kansas. The only way that I won't agree with Bobby with what he said, though, is he said no one's going to remember who wins tonight's game. Well, Kansas sure as heck will for a very <laughs> long time if they hang up a banner. So I do think that that perception is, of course, the UNC fan perception perception, which is where the vantage point that Bobby was speaking from for the UNC fan, the final four, I think meant more than the national championship is going to mean this year for the Kansas fan. That obviously ain't the case. I mean, beating Villanova is nice and all, but it's going to be nothing compared to raising a banner. So if you're Kansas, you don't care about all that conversation with the importance of the final four. And at the end of the day, in the long run, I guess it's another banner up there, right? So even when it comes to Davis's career, we'll talk about how many national championships did he win? There's no banner for ending Coach K's career. So I guess to that point, there's no accolade like that. Uh, But... It's something that the fans are never, ever, ever going to forget. And they're never going to let UNC fans or or Duke fans forget it, ever. Oh, oh, no doubt about it. I mean, this is the ultimate bragging rights, right? Like, I mean, you beat Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and then you put him out in the Final Four, which was the first time the two teams had ever met in the NCAA tournament. And, And Amber, every time I say that, like this is the first time they've met in the tournament, something about that feels wrong. It feels like these two story programs would have played against each other in the big dance at some point before we saw it over the course of this past weekend. But the fact that you beat him in the NCAA tournament the first time that the two teams ever played and you bounce Coach K, you send him on his way in the regular season and in the postseason in his final season, I, I think that, that that gives you lifetime worth of bragging rights when it comes to the Tobacco Road rivalry. And I'm not saying that that's – That should be the goal. I'm pretty sure that that's not what Hubert Davis and this group of players from Carolina set out to do at the start of this season. I think that's just the added benefit of it. But tonight, it's going to be interesting to see the effort and the energy level that this team comes out and plays against Kansas with because, make no mistake about it, the the Duke team that they played on Saturday is immensely talented. We've heard all about all of the first-round draft picks that are playing for Coach K this season. But there are a lot of first-round draft picks playing for that Kansas Jayhawks team, too. I mean, and they're led by Ochai Abaji, and that guy is a walking bucket. I want to say he was 6-for-7 from three-point land in the game against Villanova on Saturday. The guy is a problem. So, for more perspective on that, we'll hear from UNC alum Raymond Felton, who will join the show at 6.30. Coming up next, goat-on-goat crime? 